Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning to you and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact around Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm your host this week, Jared Sandler of 105.3 The Fan. And I want to thank you for waking up this morning and joining me for another week of Better Living. And I want to thank you. This week, we're going to focus on two important DFW nonprofits that you can contribute to, and we definitely want you to learn the story of each. Later on, we'll talk with Christy Crone as we put our focus on the Special Olympics, specifically the Special Olympics Texas chapter, and how they've been impacted by the pandemic and the social distancing that has gotten in the way of a lot of their events and unique opportunities. But first, we get the chance, the privilege to chat with Ryan Birdman Parrot. You've probably heard him uh, of parts of various stations uh, here in the, the DFW cluster, including 105.3 The Fan before. He's the founder and president of Sons of the Flag. He is a veteran uh, and has a tremendous story, a tremendous organization, and we're excited to get the chance to chat with him here this morning. Uh, Ryan, thanks so much for, for taking the time to be with us. Hey, Jared, I appreciate you having me, and it's you know always a humbling experience for an organization like yourself to put us on a pedestal to be able to share a message with so many, so thank you. Well, our pleasure, and thank you for, for your service, not only uh, while serving our country, but but still what you're doing uh, you know, since uh, with Sons of the Flag. I, I want to get into your story, but first, just for people who maybe aren't familiar, uh, what is Sons of the Flag? Great question. Sons of the Flag was a poem written in World War One, based off the Civil War that talks about the North and the South fighting against each other and at the end of the day coming together as one, the USA. Now, I love that poem. I've loved that poem for a long time, and I thought it was rich to name our organization after that because we are specifically aimed at helping burn survivors. And that we started out with just military, active duty, and, and veterans, and then we transitioned pretty quickly into first responders as well. And in January of 2020, we decided to make it all. So now we revolutionize burn care for all Americans. Um, so we're a charity set up, a 501c3, eight years old, set up to specifically help American burn survivors. And you, you, you sort of touched on it a little bit, and, and I know that your experience and your personal story plays a role, and, and I don't want to overstep or, or, or get ahead of myself, but uh, how did the formation of Sons of the Flag really come about? Yeah, it was interesting. You know, when I got out of the service in 2010, uh, I was really trying to figure out what meaning and purpose looked like again. I didn't have my battle gear anymore. I didn't have the team. Um, I wasn't in the military, and it's quite difficult to uh, find that anywhere else. So in, along my path of searching for that meaning and purpose, I met an Army Ranger who was severely burned um, in an, Af- uh, an IED in Afghanistan. And I asked him point blank, hey, what are they doing for you guys in your burns today? And he said, this is as good as it gets for me. And that really, really made me upset. You know, when you think about getting injured and severely injured, and when you come back home, you think, well, there's going to be all these doctors on top of you, and they're going to be fixing you, and there's all these unique technologies, and that was not the case. So I studied all night long, and I could not give him anything the next day. I was hoping that I would find something public knowledge something that was just turnkey and click or something that was innovative, but it was out there and say, okay, we found this, let's get in touch with them. If they can work with you, we'll figure out the way to fund it and we'll get you fixed up, but, uh, brother. And I couldn't. So I called him the next day and I said, Hey man, I came short and 
I really want to do something here for you. If I were to start an outfit on your behalf, would you join me? And he said, man, I'd be honored. And that was the impetus of Sons of the Flag. Um, right from there, about a few months later, we officially became a 501c3 called Sons of the Flag and really had no idea as to how we were going to go about helping him. And again, this charity was started for one person, only with the idea of one person in mind. And right out of the gate, um, a gentleman that I was friends with on LinkedIn that I had no clue I was even friends with reached out to me and said, hey, hey, brother, <laughs> my name is Greg Turnell. I'm a, 30, I'm a career firefighter, 30 years on the job. I'm a DC firefighter. And I got three boys active duty military right now. And I love what you're doing. I think that you need to expand your horizons to uh, first responders as well. And I'd love to be a representation in DC. And I was blown away because now we are an organization that's gaining steam across the nation. And I don't even have a clue as to what our mission statement would be because we are just starting. And so I really knew at that point that we had something super special here and that it, it took all of my might, it took my dedication, everything to get it going. And I, there was my meaning and purpose again, and being able to serve others and especially serve people in the uniform that still wear it and uh, to serve a different demographic that I had never been a part of a, a first responder. So that's how some of the flight started. And, uh, and I'm happy to report that we're eight years into this and still going, turning and burning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not, not physically, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know. I, I got it. Uh, now, we're going to definitely get back into the, the Sons of the Flag story and ways people can participate and contribute and, and, and join you in, in what you're trying to do. Just a, a reminder, and, and we'll, we'll throw this out there uh, throughout this conversation, but you know, if, if there's something that comes up during this conversation, you're in the car, you just don't have the ability to jot it down or you can't remember, just go to sonsoftheflag.org. I'm sure that you know all that information, the important information that Ryan will share with us, you can find online and, and we'll definitely uh, try and highlight that stuff. But sonsoftheflag.org, pretty easy to remember uh, to go online and, and get a lot of the, the important information. So please don't text and drive or write and drive or uh, whatever you might be doing, keep your uh, focus on the road if you're, in fact, in the car. Uh, Ryan, I, I think, like I said, to maybe understand the the Sons of the Flag story, it's important to understand your story. And uh, you, you kind of have touched on this a little bit, but uh, uh, I guess what, what can you share with us about your origin, uh, your origin story with the military and getting involved and, and making that decision to uh, to, I guess, make that tremendous commitment? Well, I, I, I'm a Detroit native. Grew up in Detroit. I uh, was born in the heart of Detroit and moved to the suburbs, and Michigan is home, even though I live in Dallas, Texas. But I moved from one D to the next, so at least it's somewhat similar, uh, except for the weather. <laughs> we have snow to it's just a 1,000 degrees out here. But ultimately, um, I was nothing... Nothing anybody would write a book about growing up. You know, I was a, a failure in every subject in school. I kid you not. I, I do speeches from time to time where I show my report card, and I was legitimately just, I didn't care about anything. I wasn't motivated by anything. I was playing ice hockey and some sports. I was not extraordinarily competitive or, you know, the top athlete in any of these things. And then, of course, in academics, I was just a failure. And so, you can imagine being my parents and, uh, you know, continuing to stick by me year after year of just dealing with that. But there was nothing there. It was just, I was, I was falling through life and letting it pass by me. And then it was my teacher in high school. He was a motivational psychology teacher. It was my junior year of high school who basically just spoke to the class one day and he said, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one thing better than the Marine Corps and that's the U S Navy SEALs. And, I was blown away because the only thing I knew about was Marine Corps. He was a Marine in Vietnam. All he talked about was Marine Corps stuff. And I knew about the, the four branches of the military, but I didn't know anything about the SEALs. I mean, nobody knew anything about the SEALs. And so really learning that stuff, hearing about that stuff, I thought to myself, wow, this is something that I want to do. And he made it sound like Navy SEALs live on the moon and they breathe water and all this crazy stuff. But I stayed <laughs> after class and said, Mr. Barnes, you know what? That's what I want to do with my life. And he violently laughed in my face. And I was like, can you do that? You're a teacher. Can you really laugh in my face? And he goes, if you're serious about this, you know, I'll get you something on it. I think he saw like a spark in my eye or something. Just he saw the motivation he wanted to bring out of me. And the next day he brought a magazine. It was a Reader's Digest, and it's called The Making of an American Warrior. 
I couldn't put it down. I was completely enthralled from it. And then that was really the, the start. Yet from that point on, all I was doing was talking to talk. I wasn't walking the walk and I became a failure again. And I just, nothing changed. Um, and then nine 11 happened <clears throat> and I got up and left class right then and there because I said to myself, you know, if you're going to do something, this is the time, you know, talk is cheap, go. And so I went to the recruiter station and tried to join and I was too young. So I had to wait three months and I did. And then I enlisted in the United States Navy in the delayed entry program with hopes of being a SEAL. And ultimately, I mean, we could talk four hours of what it looked, took to get through the program or all that. But ultimately, I was very, very blessed where right after high school, I graduated on the honor roll because I had to get my stuff together. And then I ended up going right to the Navy, went through boot camp and got selected to go to SEAL training. And I found myself at 19 years old in SEAL training and by 20, a Navy SEAL. And it was just a dream come true and kind of fascinating because I couldn't believe that it was happening every single day I was doing it. It just was surreal. But uh, my first deployment in 2005 to Iraq, we were riding down uh, Route Michigan. I always make fun of that because that's where I'm from, Michigan, and now we're driving on the most deadly road in Iraq called Route Michigan. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and uh, a few clicks from base, we ended up hitting a roadside bomb, and my vehicle was uh, was blown up. And that was uh, one of the most scary times of my life. It was the scariest time of my life and it's because, you know, at that point, you're vulnerable. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know how bad your wounds are. And I was very blessed for I was the least of the injured. I just had first or second degree burns to my face, my hands. And there was some shrapnel that spit through the car. And But in, in limelight, I was in a turret gun, so it shot me straight out of the turret into the sky. That's how I got my nickname Birdman is because I went flying out of the turret. Um, which was kind of cool. But ultimately, everybody else in the vehicle was far more injured than I was, and that's when you have to jump on your teammates and you have to help them. And that's what we did, and we did a dang, a dang good job of getting them uh, back to base and everybody lived. So, you know, it's it, it became real for me. This is not the reason that I started Sons of the Flag. Uh, it was because I had a taste of burns. It was – I understand what service means. I, I am so proud of the fact that I was able and allowed to serve our country – in the capacity I did and to be able to get out and then give back to the community that continue to fight for us day in and day out is an actual honor. It's an absolute honor uh, to do that. So this is my small way to give back to the people that are still continuing to take it on and uh, run with it. So that's uh, the story right there. We're talking with Ryan Birdman Parrott. Uh, we're talking about his experiences, also talking about sons of the flag, which is a, a tremendous organization. Ryan, uh, is the founder and, and president of Sons of the Flag, Ryan? I, I'm sorry if uh, if I I missed this, but you you said you know you 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 learned what service means. Uh, what does service mean? What is what is the definition or the 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 understanding that you have, and and what does it mean to you? Well, thank you for asking me that question because nothing like put me on the spot when I just told you that I was absolutely <laughs> not a scholar and I can't use my words to save my life. But I guess, you know, if I had to verbalize it, service is completely putting yourself in the, in the absolute back of the line and making sure that everything in front of you is what your mission focuses. You have to realize that what you're doing is such a such it's the greater good and it's for something so much bigger than yourself that you are irrelevant and we don't think about it essentially like that we just legitimately we go overseas and then you point point your head straight forward and you say okay we got our mission right here we're going to do what we're supposed to do and you know if i die doing it then i die doing it and that becomes your mindset and it just you don't even think about it because you're doing something knowing that yeah there's consequences if things go wrong but at the same time i'm doing it so that everybody back home, the people that I love the most, can continue to live free. And I'm also doing it because there are so many men and women that have died doing it before us to continue our freedom. And so there's a lot wrapped into freedom. There's a lot wrapped into service. And, you know, I'm proud of our American flag and our country, and I will always fight for. Ryan, you said something, uh, you know, earlier when when the teacher was talking about uh, the military and, and the Navy SEALs and, and what your perception was and 
Uh, obviously, you know, you, you you met reality shortly thereafter. But what is something that you think is important for people to know about the Navy SEALs that maybe you 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 notice uh, there's a misconception of just in conversation, or or even if there isn't, what, what's something you think that uh, is just in general important for people to understand? Well, I think that it's funny. Every time people meet me, they're like, wow, I thought you'd be a lot bigger, taller, stronger, you know, hardcore looking, you know, Viking style. And, you know, I'm 170 pounds and five foot 10. And, you know, I have tattoos on both arms. I was like a pro skater, you know, who's 18 years old. And so it's, it's funny the the misconception of having to be a, a Viking in order to be a seal. But what I think people just don't understand is that we're just normal human beings. We are just, I think there's two things that really that really help you. I think the two things fundamentally to get in your head to be a SEAL is you have to be passionate. You have to be overwhelmingly passionate about the things that you're going after. And then number two is you have to be stubborn. So if you have those two things, you've got a good shot at making it through the program. And we're just normal human beings who are passionate, who are extraordinarily stubborn. And it's, you know, we were here before we were SEALs. And now people are taking an interest or a notice because we wore the trident. And it's the same mindset. Every one of us grew up in different uh, families, different homes. Um, but every one of us have that same mindset of, you know, it's just time to get the job done, whatever it requires. Um, and we know that we're always in the backdrop. I think a lot of people are enamored with the Navy SEALs training. Uh, there are there are stories, maybe even myths, uh, and, and and some of them are real but uh, don't seem real and, and seem like they, they otherwise would be myths. Is there is there a, a part of training that, that people find or you think people would find most interesting that, that you had to go through uh, to earn the opportunity to represent the country as a SEAL? Yeah, well, I mean, I say if anybody wants a real detailed look at what SEAL training looks like, it's quite simple. You can enlist and you can try out. <laughs> and if you really, you really want it bad enough, you can go. Uh, that's the, the simplest answer I can give you. But I think everybody is enamored with, you know, how weak. Um, they, they did a, dis, I think it was a Discovery Channel mix on a Class 234 uh, a few years back. And um, that kind of detailed, you know, in short term, a little bit of uh, field training, but it's just, you know, explaining it and the specific evolutions is one thing, but just understanding that when you go and do a hard workout, like a very, very hard workout, um, at the end of it, you're tired. Two days later, you're extraordinarily sore. Well, you don't have time to recover. You're going to do that extraordinarily hard workout every day, all day long, and you're going to do it again the next day and the next day and the next day, and you don't have any time to recover. You have limited time to sleep. And you are always on the go doing hard workouts. And so it's definitely one of those things that tests you. I'm glad that I went through it at 19 and not 39. But it's a very difficult program, and it teaches you so much more than just physical fitness and weeding out the week. It teaches you academia. Um, You learn physics. You learn diving. You learn navigation. You learn uh, coefficients with shooting and ballistics. I mean, you learn all kinds of stuff. And so also a freaky part for me because I was not a scholar to get right back into the mathematics and <laughs> learn these things. But, you know, everybody has their interest on certain evolutions or it might be the overall how hard was it, what was it like, and take us through that. And I think the Discovery Channel did a good job with Class 234 of explaining a little bit of it in detail. But ultimately it's just you show up and you put one foot in front of the other um, as fast or as best as you can and you just attack the evolution you're at, and you don't think about the next evolution until you're in it. We're talking with Ryan Birdman Parrots, the, the founder of Sons of the Flag, and you know, with Sons of the Flag, as is the case with, with a lot of these types of organizations, uh, there are people that are on the inside who, who work on a daily basis to make things happen, to make things possible, to, uh, to execute the mission, but I I don't think Sons of the Flag is any different, Ryan, when I say that there's also a, a degree of reliance uh, on community support. And there are multiple ways for people to get involved. Someone listening right now, if, if this is compelling to you, if this is something that is tugging at you, uh, there are ways to get involved, even if you've got you know a nine to five job. It does not have to be a full time thing for you. What are the ways 
people can support and get involved uh, with Sons of the Flag? I appreciate you asking. Well, I'll start it by saying this is what I always say to everybody is the, the particular field we work in is burns. Burns is one of the worst injuries that a human can endure because it's not an injury that gets fixed overnight. In fact, it never fully gets fixed. You will deal with the complications of this injury for the rest of your life. And so it's a very difficult, painful trauma that people experience. And I always say, imagine that you go home tonight and then you get into bed and you go to sleep and the next day you wake up and you go to work and you don't return back. And then all of a sudden, six months from now, you wake up at the hospital, you're out of a coma, and then the doctors say, okay, it's time after you've looked around and saw that you were bandaged up and you couldn't understand why you were in pain. You had no idea what was going on. And then they put a mirror in front of your face and you can't recognize the person you're looking at. How do you deal with that? And so I think about that all the time because that's what we try to solve for. And we try to fund programs that help these doctors put more R&D or more time into R&D to bring the future closer to today for burn care and burn research. You see, right now, burn care hasn't changed in 40 years. It hasn't changed since the Vietnam era. They're doing the same things. It's a very small niche area, so it's a very underfunded area. And we're one of the larger charities in the country for burn care, and we're small. So you can imagine what patients are up against. But ultimately, we say we're revolutionizing burn care because we are the roadmap for a patient and their family when they get injured. And so things that we can, uh, everybody can do to help us out, number one, first and foremost, and I will always say it because I'm a steward to these patients, donate. Anything that you can do to support at any level goes a long way to help these patients because, again, it's not a quick fix. It's a lifelong fix. So donate, donate, donate. If you can, spare anything. I know that these times with COVID is very difficult, but if you can do anything whatsoever, we would appreciate that. Another big thing, Ryan, if, if you don't mind, I just want to make sure is sons of the flag dot org the best way to, to go about that? Is is that where we should direct people if, if they do want to donate? Absolutely. Okay. Sons of the flag dot org and the donate button is pretty much every single place you can look. <laughs> oh, I appreciate you asking. So that's number one. Number two is during COVID, everything, obviously, we've all been secluded from each other and it's been difficult um, to interact. But when things start to open back up and hopefully this virus goes away sooner rather than later and we get back to our life, we're going to need volunteers. We are going to need volunteers, not just local, but we're going to need them nationally. There's a lot of patients that get burned and the families need help. We need help executing on events that we host in Dallas. We have 31 states open right now around the country with local boots on the ground. And we have a full map on our website that people can go see to see where we're currently located. Um, but we're going to need help with volunteer programs from burn camps to helping at the hospital um, to events that we run. And so we are going to certainly need hands-on, hands-on deck, all hands-on deck, um, and community support through that. And it's a good way for you to encourage everybody to bring your children as well to learn about burn camp and burn safety. You know, it's a big thing that we just don't emphasize enough. Smokey the Bear, he's there to teach you about not how to put out a forest fire or don't start a forest fire, but when the forest fire is already erupted and you're in trouble and you get injured, what's next? And so it's good for us to teach, you know, children as well as adults on what does burn care really look like today? How can you avoid it? And if you do get burned, how can you help? How can we help you and how can you help yourself? So there's a lot of ways that people can get involved, donating, volunteerism, uh, just coming up to the office and getting to meet us and sharing the message on social media and sharing our website out to your friends and just letting everybody know that we exist. See, we can't help people that don't know we're here if they don't know we're here. So just sharing the word sons of the flag and liking us, tagging us and spreading the word goes a long way for our organization. Sons of the flag.org. It's a, a fairly simple website to remember. So if you maybe tuned in in the middle of, uh, you know, Ryan sharing how you can participate and contribute, uh, you know, all the, the pertinent information, especially the, the ability to donate sons of the flag.org. Uh, it is not a hard website to navigate at all. Uh, I'm going to say it one more time. So it is etched in your mind, sons of the flag.org, uh, to, to join in and, and partner and, and varying capacities with this, uh, amazing cause. Hey, Ryan, you said something earlier when I asked you about 
the origin of, of Sons of the Flag. And you said, and it's something that I think anyone who has listened to at least two veterans like yourself talk about their their experience once they're no longer uh, active duty, you use the word or the phrase finding purpose. And I, I was wondering if you could maybe touch on what that truly means and, and what sort of a, a challenge that part of your life was, because I think it's something that a lot of veterans deal with. And, and I'm only saying that because I hear veterans like yourself talk, certainly not from my experience, but, but what does that mean to you? And, and what was that process like? It was hard. I mean, I got out of the military and I moved to a different state. I didn't have my teammates near me. I didn't have a command near me and I didn't wear a uniform anymore. So really there was no structure. And that's one of those things that we all need in our lives, whether you're military or not, is we need structure. And so by default, not having that, it was really incumbent upon me to step my game up and, you know, you take the path of least resistance. You either get in, you get after it, or you fall apart. And I chose to take the path of least resistance. I decided to say, what was me? And for, you know, a year, I just, I didn't feel like I was doing anything of value. You know, I was operating on a team of elite people and here I am now a civilian that is barely making any ends meet. And I felt like I gave all that up and it was just a, a really bad scenario that I'd, I, I blame nobody but myself for getting myself into that position. But the biggest thing you do is you isolate, and then from isolation can come many other things. It can go to alcohol, drugs, and go to, you know, fights or whatever. I didn't do all of that, but I definitely drank myself. Uh, I drank too much, and, you know, because of that, I realized that I had a problem, and I stopped. And the big thing for me was, you know, don't ever give up on the brotherhood or your teammates or your sisterhood, whatever you're a part of. Even if you get out of the military or any uniform job, continue to reach out to the the team, the service members. You're still part of them. You just don't do the job with them every day, but you're still your friends for life. Still communicate with them. And if you're having an issue, you need to speak up about it and tell people, like, hey, today I'm not doing good. Could you help me get back to homeostasis so that I can get back in the fight? It's okay to say that. It's acceptable. Um we got to stop, you know, cowering away from our issues and we got to start attacking them head on. And so I raised up off of that and realized that, you know, there's a bigger mission here that I was put on. I believe that God put me on this mission to start Sons of the Flag and, you know, still doing it here today, years later. And it's given me everything I need um, as far as fulfillment to feel like I'm part of a team again and doing something excellent. Um, so that's just the simple thing is make sure that you have a solid plan before executing or getting out of any job or anything. Um, and then make sure to continue to reach out to your friends and your family and don't isolate. It's really that simple. Ryan, I read you, you had a, a quote, uh, and I want to make sure I don't botch this. If you don't love the journey, you will never reach your destination. Why is that such an important quote for you? Because not everything you do during that specific job, you may have the greatest job in the world, but not every day, not every hour of that is fun. In fact, the majority of it probably is not fun. It probably sucks. But if you don't love all that little incremental uh, adventure that's leading you to that finish line, you'll never, ever see it. Because the journey is the real deal. That's what it's all about. It is not about the end goal. The end goal means it's over and it's done, and that sucks. So really stop thinking about that futuristic goal or that end game and start thinking about where you're at presently and enjoying that moment because that really is the ride of life. We're talking with Ryan Birdman Parrott, Sons of the Flag, an outstanding organization. Ryan, uh, before we let you go, is there anything else we haven't covered that you think is important for people to know, whether it's about your story or Sons of the Flag or, or ways people can uh, get involved once again. I, I, I just want to give you an opportunity. Anything that, that you feel like has been uncovered or perhaps something you just don't want to reiterate? Uh, I guess I would just say, if you are looking for something to get involved with, you're looking for a charity of some kind, uh, we've got one here for you. But if this doesn't necessarily strike your fancy or you have other goals, if you're interested in cancer or, or a different type of illness or disease, make sure that you're a part of an organization. You know, give back to the community you live in. You can do it nationally or locally, but make sure you're a part of an organization, some way, shape, or form that's given back to the community. 
because that's what it takes. It takes all of us Americans in this country fighting together to make this country what it is. So that's what I have to say. Well, Ryan, we really appreciate it. Again, uh, thank you for your service, not only while serving as an active duty member of the Navy SEALs, but uh, for what you're doing now. And and, and I'm sure uh, it is an organization that has touched so many and, and will continue to do so. Uh, and we really, really appreciate the work that you're doing and, and so glad, and I don't say this lightly, I, I'm glad you did find your purpose and that it's led you down this path because uh, in, in listening to you on the radio over the years and 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 just from afar noticing the impact of Sons of the Flag, it, it really is incredible, and thank you so much. Well, it was great chatting with Ryan Birdman Parrott, and, and again, Sons of the Flag is an outstanding organization, and so is the organization that we're going to talk about next. Uh, really excited to be joined by my friend Christy Crone with Special Olympics Texas. And uh, Christy, uh, thanks so much for taking the time. I uh, hope you're doing well and uh, having a good morning so far. I am, and thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Now, full disclosure, uh, I have known Christy for a few years, and, and my charity uh, has has had the, the fortune and the honor of, of uh, helping to support Special Olympics. This is a cause that is super important to me and uh, near and dear to my heart, and, and I know, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to, I guess, come on here and say otherwise, but uh, I, I really do... I really do think that Special Olympics does a tremendous job, and, and Christy is a, a big part of making sure that the wheels turn there. Christy, I, I know so many people know what Special Olympics is, but just in the event people listening maybe aren't quite sure or uh, want something more specific and concrete in their mind, how, how would you describe Special Olympics and, and what you all try to accomplish? Well, Special Olympics, um, it, it is fun that you said that, and, and it's funny that you're right. A lot of people know what Special Olympics is or they think they know what Special Olympics is. I get that all of the time. What is it? And everybody says, when is the track meet? So Special Olympics is not just one track meet. We actually have 22 sports. We do something almost every single month in normal times. Um, what we are is a an opportunity for sports organization for people with and without intellectual disabilities to compete and to um, strive to meet their goals and learn how to be teammates and really uh, work with people to become dependable and helpful parts of our community. So we are not just about our athletes. It's really about um, improving our community with um, by allowing our athletes a place to do that. Christy, how did Special Olympics start? Ooh, that's a good question. It started back in 1968 uh, with Eunice Shriver. Her sister had um, intellectual disabilities, and she had noticed that there was just no place for Rose to go and to do anything, and um, and and had a feeling that people felt that people with intellectual disabilities were not equal or had nothing to contribute to society. Um, so she started the games. And I think the first games were held in Chicago in 1968, 1969. It started in Texas um, with just a few sports and it has grown to, like I said, over 22 sports in the state at this time um, for people with, and it's, and again, it's not just for people with intellectual disabilities. It has morphed into something um, we do with our unified sports. So people with and without disabilities can compete together. So I want to get into the unified programming. I think that's such a, a special and important part about what Special Olympics does. It just uh, quickly, and, and I know you said that it's it's about more than just people with intellectual disabilities, but uh, what what is important to know about the the athletes who are a part of Special Olympics, the Olympians, and some of the challenges that they deal with, and and perhaps uh, what you've learned from them and in, in interacting with them and Maybe if someone listening knows someone who, whether they're a special Olympian or not, that, that maybe it could help them in, in their interactions and, and supports and just daily conversations with, with people uh, and, and the athletes that you're around on a regular basis. Okay. Um, yeah, Special Olympics. Okay, so we did start, like I said, in 1969, and then the first 50 years. So we have just celebrated our 50 years, not only Special Olympics International, but Special Olympics 
Texas. Um, the first 50 years truly was about awareness and acceptance of our population in regular society. Um, I feel like we've done a really good job with that. There's still so much farther to go. But with that became the second 50 years. And where will we go with that? And what was the plan? And how can we um, further increase our athletes' positions in society? So Unified Sports was born um, actually quite a few years ago, but they just really took it on um, last year and this year with our 50th anniversary. And so it's the Inclusion Revolution. What that brings about is Unified Sports, which you touched on. Unified Sports is an opportunity for people to actually compete with our athletes. Um, we have Unified Bocce, Unified Softball. That means that people with and without intellectual disabilities can compete together. So before, when we would ask people for their help and we'd say, come volunteer with us, it was great. And we have over 40,000 volunteers across this great state that help us. We couldn't do it without them. And while they felt like they were getting a lot out of it, um, because they do, you know, they call and they want to volunteer with Special Olympics. And in the end, after they volunteered, they know that they're the ones that were touched more. Our athletes don't need as much help as people think they do. They're amazing. They're excellent at sports. Um, so that being said, our volunteers really got something out of it, but we wanted to move that forward even more. So um, with unified sports, you people can actually compete with them on the field, on the court, um, in the pool, wherever they can do something, they can actually compete. Through that, um, you don't, at any age also, people think that it's just um, children. Well, we start at age two with um athletes just learning how their skill how to do their skills and they start competing at eight and they can compete until they die so um, we have a huge population of adult athletes and they're probably from 30 to 50 um, so unified sports does does um, I don't even know what I'm trying to say they it, it does happen in that age difference but now we're really trying to get more youth involved and that's happening through our Unified Champion Schools. So with the Unified Champion Schools project, um, a school just has to have three components. They have to have one youth leader. They have to do an, a campaign across their school campus. And then they have to have one all full campus type pep rally to send off their um, Special Olympics teams or their Unified teams. So with that, that is our goal to get more youth involved. And I'm very excited to say that that does seem to increase. When we started a few years ago pushing this movement, we had maybe 6% of the schools, and now we're really um, – I don't have that number off the top of my head, but I want to say we were already at 300 campuses um, this past year. So it is really starting to take a move, and uh, we've seen that inclusion. When, when our youth get involved, then there's a lot less bullying. There's a lot more um, involvement with our athletes and and throughout the whole school, not just in their classes. You touched on it there a second ago, but I, I guess would you mind expanding more on why uh, unified sports and the inclusion element of it is so important and why that, that's something that Special Olympics is committed to as a part of uh, the next 50 years like you talked about? Yeah, I really feel, and I think the whole movement is that way, that when you get youth involved and when you get people involved more than just volunteering, but doing things side by side, the goal is that our athletes are really um, accepted into the community on a greater scale. So rather than, you know, Hey, um, my friend Stacy just has a job over here at HEB or one of the grocery stores in the area. Instead, she has competed with somebody and then that person may have a different type of job and then they can get more involved in the community. And now she can actually contribute to her community um, and not just be a beneficiary of somebody else's goodwill. It's important in the schools, like I said, when they get into the schools, that when we first started, the acceptance part of Special Olympics was big. Um, and in the schools, you have a classroom of special needs children. And at first they were shunned. They were just in their classroom. Um, through all of the programs that have come about, then they became accepted. So now you see them in school and, and they're not surprising. It doesn't shock you. It's like, oh, okay, that's, that's just the class over there. 
Well, then you start volunteering through like peer pressure, like uh, not pressure, peer, the peer programs where um, they go out and they just volunteer in the classroom. So now all of a sudden you're saying hi to our athletes in the school. And it's like they're just accepted a little bit more. But now you're competing with our athletes. So these are some of the athletes that maybe they didn't make the varsity team, but they still want to do something. And they have found a way that they can compete alongside our athletes. So now those athletes come in to the school and they're treated like friends. They're asked to sit with them at the lunch table. They're hanging out with them in the halls between classes. That's what unified sports will do for any school. When they become a unified champion school, you'll see that there's a lot less bullying. Um, A lot of the kids that maybe were the bullies are now mentors and they're seeing that they can help these kids fit in as well. And you just have a, a much greater sense of, school spirit and camaraderie and um, just a better spirit about the school. SOTX.org. You know, if you're in the car, we don't want you, uh, you know, having a text and drive or feel the need to, to write and drive. Uh, a lot of the information we're talking about, and we're going to get into here in a little bit, how you can participate in ways to get involved. All that stuff you can find SOTX.org, future events, uh, and you go to the just the main page. There's a pretty big donate now button. It's uh, it's tough to miss. Uh, so if you want to donate, do that. Sotx.org. You know, I, I think it's interesting, Christy, and and we've shared this conversation. And and frankly, I, I remember when I first thought this, I was like, wow, like you know, this is a uh, pretty revelatory. And then you realize that everyone has the exact same experience. That the the unified element to it, or just take a step back from the organized part of unified sports, uh, whether you're volunteering or, or whatever, uh, the, the dynamic is uh, the, the kids and the adults without the, the disabilities get just as much, if not more out of the experience as those with the disabilities. And I think that's a, a really important part of what makes Special Olympics so special is that I, I know the mission is to serve a specific body of people, but uh, at the end of the day, I think everyone kind of walks away with an improvement of some kind or an experience that is is significant and helps them grow. Correct, correct. In fact, I you know have a, just a real brief story about this um, about this young girl. She was in middle school. Now she's graduated high school because I've been here long enough that I forget how many years I've been here. But she um, she was part of our meet in the middle program, which is what unified champion schools kind of morphed from it was a meet in the middle. We were in the middle schools. Her mom was a special ed teacher. She was bullied. She was a little overweight. She was bullied. She um, knew what our athletes were going through. She wanted to join the adaptive PE program, which was part of meet in the middle. She started doing unified sports and playing volleyball those kids in that class treated her like a superstar and really increased her confidence so much to the point that she tried out for cheerleaders. She came home and told her mom, I'm going to try out for cheerleader. Your mother like, Oh, are you sure you want to do that? And crazy enough, not only did she try out, she made it. Um, and then she became a little bit more popular in school. And so that meet in the middle program um, grew by like 50% just because now people wanted to do what she was doing. And so our athletes benefited from it too. But in the end, Vivian would tell you, she, she really was the one that, that grew the most. Um, our athletes were there and they were wonderful, but it changed her life. So I, I think when you look at adults that can get involved that same way, we all think that we're doing something to help these athletes. But when we go out, um, I can tell you personally, I don't get to see as many athletes as I'd like to, but the ones I know, I'm actual friends with them. We talk on Facebook. We talk on the phone. We see each other. It's not just a, hey, I'm going to go out and help, or, hey, I'm going to raise money so that you can do these sports. They touch your heart, and they they become your friends. Christy, I I remember having this conversation with you, and we're talking with Christy Crone of Special Olympics. Uh, What are the right terms to use and terms maybe not to use when describing those with disabilities, because I think that uh, a lot of people are, are well-intentioned and, and certainly just don't know any differently. And, and I know that even me, someone who has a charity that, that benefits these people, I, I didn't at first know exactly the right things to say and, and not to say. Would you mind sharing with people what, what those proper terms uh, are and maybe things that people say that 
if they can change, would, would probably be for the best? Absolutely. Um, that's a great question. I was the same way. Um, the proper term for people um, is, you know, they're not mental. They have an intellectual disability or ID. So we, we shorten it all the time by saying somebody with ID. When we talk about um, unified partners, um, you have the tendency to say, oh, um, the kids with ID are hanging out with the normal kids. Well, we're all normal, so it's not normal kids. You usually say general population for people without any type of disability, and then you talk about intellectual disability for those in our circles. Um, obviously, there was a campaign years ago to get rid of the R word, and so I won't say it. We're going to assume that everybody knows what that is, and so we got rid of that. Um, they don't want to be called crazy. They don't want to be called stupid they don't want I mean there's just a lot of words that are not used I don't think that our athletes look at them as offensive words per se um they just be they just prefer to be called athletes or people with you know ID and so um crazy a lot of them don't even realize that they have ID so a lot of times I don't refer to it at all but in the media and anytime that we're talking about it with our corporate partners the correct term would be intellectual disabilities or id all right we're talking with christy crone christy let's let's get to uh the the heart of what i think is important for people to hear and and that's the involvement so let's just start generally speaking uh whether it's january or november whether it's day or night weekend weekday regardless of the time, what are the important things to know just about involvement with Special Olympics? Yeah, so Special Olympics, um, like I mentioned earlier, we are a year-round sports organization. It's not just one track meet. So we have something going on almost every month, and I'll talk about that in two seconds, where we're going right now and how we're handling all of that right now. But in a typical year, um, we would have a sport almost every month. So people can get involved in a couple of ways. Um, Obviously, as a development director, my first ones go, donate, donate. But that's not the fun part. The fun part is volunteering and coming out and really being a part of our sports. It's easy. You just go to SOTX.org. You click on the Volunteer Now button, or you call me or you call Becky in our office and just talk to us about how you or your company want to be involved. Um, When you volunteer, we have three different types of volunteers. We have key volunteers that actually go through strenuous background checks and are usually long-term volunteers that have decided they want to make a bigger difference. They help run our programs, um, and they work with our program staff to do all of the logistics for all of our programs and our um, trainings. The second volunteer is a Class A volunteer. They might be a coach, a trainer. They might be um, a teacher at one of the schools that are very hands-on. And then we have our Class B volunteer. That's a day of volunteer. You sign up. You come out, we train you for whatever we need you to do that day. And volunteering can be something as simple as being a fan in the stands where you just sit in the stands with your children or your company uh, colleagues and you cheer for our athletes. They don't get a lot of that. I have fun stories about that too, but we just cheer them on because typically they don't have somebody in the stands doing it or maybe they do, but they can't hear that one person. So we want to give them that. To something as wonderful as being able to award medals and getting to to put the medal around our athletes' necks, to staging and making sure that they go when they're supposed to go because they all love to cut and they all love to go before they're supposed to, Um, and to timing them in a race or to escorting them over to our um, award ceremonies or shagging balls if they're throwing balls or hitting balls. So we have tons of things that people can do at any time. Um, and all you have to do is let us know that, you know, the nice thing too, is you can join our email list. Um, we try to get an email out once a month about what we've got going on. If you can do it that once a month, you click one button and say what time you can be out there. And if you can't, you just ignore it because we're going to send you another one next month. And we make it easy for people to volunteer, especially with companies. If you have a company that you want to get, um, the word out to it's maybe pick special Olympics as the company that you want to support. We can even bring a lot of athletes out to you. I can come out and speak. We could do a unified engagement opportunity at your company. We try as much as we can to get our athletes in front of the community so that people can see them outside of the sports as well as within the sports. 
All right, just uh, I want to quickly reiterate, Christy, what are the ways you want to, if you want to volunteer, call the offices, reach out to you, reach out to, to Becky in the office, the, and also go online. Those are the best ways? Those are the absolute best ways. Okay. And right now, to be involved, we have um, transitioned into, with everything that's going on and not being able to get out and compete right now, you can even virtual volunteer. So right now we have a lot of different programs going on through our SO Connected. It's all virtual. Um, we consider it volunteering when you spread the word about Special Olympics and you get on Facebook and you share our stories and you get on Twitter and you retweet things. We consider that volunteering and finding ways to just, um, you know, we've got virtual cheering sections, I guess I could call them. So you can uh, make videos encouraging our video, uh, our athletes to just do their best and tell them how proud you are of them. And then we post those on Facebook and we send those out to our athletes and let them know that we have the community supporting them at this time while they're competing virtually at home. SOTX.org is the website, SOTX.org. Uh, all right, so 22 sports offered, and we're going to get into some of the upcoming events, but I, I want to have some fun with you, okay? Okay. Do you think you can rattle off the 22 sports? Oh, my gosh. Probably not. Um, but I can do my best. All right. Let, let, should I break it down at the summer, fall, winter, or you want to just have a go at it? No, nope, I'm going to have a go at it. I'm going to try to do it throughout the year. So I'm going to go through months, but I'll just do it on my own. But you can count for me because I can't count. Okay. Okay. We start with basketball. We go into soccer, tennis, athletics. Rack. Oh, I'm gonna forget some coming up. Um, aquatics, bocce, softball, kayaking, golf, sailing. Halfway there. Okay, gymnastics, figure skating, bowling, flag football, volleyball, powerlifting. Um. There's probably a big one I've forgotten about. I can't. Um, aquatics. Did I say that? You said aquatics. Oh. Um. Think of what your yeah. son does. Oh. Oh. I'm so glad you said that. Hockey. We are doing floor hockey. So that's one, too. Yes. Floor hockey. And then um, we are about to start frisbee golf, I guess that's called. Disc golf. Something like that. Um. Okay, I don't know the other ones. I, I, that's as many as I can count. No, that, that, that's pretty good. We got athletics, which, <laughs> by the way, Chrissy, what is athletics? Athletics would be, um, oh, and I wonder if some of those actually count as more than one. So athletics would be javelin, um, and it's, it's not a real javelin, so I don't want anybody thinking that they're out there throwing something crazy. Um, softball throw, um, long jump, uh, shot put. And I think it's just our track and field. Yeah. Okay, so we got athletics, basketball, cycling, equestrian, gymnastics, kayaking, soccer, tennis, aquatics, bocce, flag football, golf, sailing, softball, triathlon, bowling, figure skating, powerlifting, roller skating, speed skating, table tennis, volleyball, and then you mentioned the the additions of floor hockey and uh, frisbee golf or disc golf. Uh, so those are the the options that you have, and and certainly the options are plentiful. Uh, do you have a particular favorite one that that's you know most enjoyable to watch or, or or participate in as a volunteer? As a volunteer, I think uh, the the best two or my favorite two are bowling because you experience the whole gamut of everything that goes on in bowling. You get the parade of athletes. You get to cheer them on. You keep them, you know, you participate in the staging part, and then you get to be a part of the award. So I love that. Um, track and field is really one of the best. I had never gotten to volunteer myself until a few years ago, and we were at the end of some lanes. We were short volunteers, so staff was out there trying to take the place of our volunteers, and we are cheering on athletes. And, you know, this one kid came in last year, and I swear, I felt so bad for him. I'm thinking, come on, you, you can do it. I know you can. And ironically his name might have been jerry which is so cute but he was running and i was cheering and he came across the line and his dad must have been behind me and he's like oh thank you so much i'm so glad you did that i'm like well he came in last he goes yeah but you know what he's never finished before 
and you cheering for him got him across that line. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're going to make me cry. So, you know, that's probably, to me, the most fulfilling because it touched me that way. Um, We'll see. I think floor hockey could be my next one, but we haven't started yet. So we'll see how that goes. All right. So what are some of the events that are that are upcoming, Christy? Okay. So upcoming, um, we are hoping for return to play as far as competitions. We're hoping that we will get to start competitions back up in September with bocce since we think we can social distance and let them play single. That will happen um, in September if we're lucky. And then we'll move into like bowling and flag football and we'll see if we can do those as well. As far as fundraising activities, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention them. We have something called Breakfast of Champions. It's a very inspirational morning where people can hear about Special Olympics. It's a free breakfast. Um, it has been in the past where um, our CEO talks, we hear from law enforcement, we hear from our unified partners, our athletes. It's just a very inspirational morning that um, obviously is a fundraiser. So we always have an ask at the end. With COVID-19, we are turning those two breakfasts in our area into virtual breakfasts with champions. So I want everybody to mark their calendars. We will have one on Thursday, August 20th at 9 a.m. If you're interested, just, again, go online at SOTX.org and contact us, and we'll make sure you have all the information on how to log in. We will be doing registrations for that, and that will be based on Fort Worth and the Fort Worth um, athletes and the programs going on there. The Dallas Breakfast with Champions will be focused on the Dallas athletes, obviously, and it will take place Thursday, October 8th at 9 a.m., also live-streamed. We have some great opportunities if you want to host a watch party on how to host that and have breakfast delivered to you. Um, We have some fun ways of just making sure that we spread the word. It will be recorded, so then it's also a way to um, share that breakfast and share those stories with people that you might want to um, that might want to know a little bit more about Special Olympics and hear from somebody other than myself because they're a lot more um, inspiring than me. Okay, Christy, uh, SO Connected, what's important to know about that? SO Connected. So we have, it's so fun. Um, We weren't sure what we were going to do. We transitioned so fast when all of this happened. How can we help our athletes? A lot of people don't understand that Special Olympics and the competitions might be the only outlet that some of our athletes have. And for them to be sitting at home, it's, it's, they're already excluded anyway. So this whole inclusion thing, we want to make sure that they have a chance to be included in what we're doing. We went virtual and we did it within two weeks. We have four or five different aspects of that. Um, it's all on our website, but there's something called So Active. That's our virtual competition. So they're actually competing at home and sending in the, and putting in their times. And then they're still getting awarded at our athlete celebrations, which take place every two weeks to three weeks. Um, we have SO Health. That's every day there's some type of a nutritional posting or a live workout or a, a taped workout that they can um, do at home on their own free time or log in with us and do it at the same time live. We have Extra, so we have a concert series that we're putting into play right now that we're hoping that we'll have once a month where our athletes can log in and enjoy some entertainment. Um, And then we've got SO Gaming, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, We've done a lot of different competitions where they're at home, they do their gaming, they submit their scores, and then they get awarded for that as well. Uh, It's just our way of trying to make sure that our athletes are still connected with each other. We have... um, Our athlete leadership meetings, we do Zoom calls so that they can see each other and still visit. Those are crazy, but we do have a lot of fun with that. And uh, we have town hall meetings once a week where we let the public know exactly what we're doing and keeping them involved with our athletes and our community partners. All right, Christy, again, uh, before we we say goodbye, what are the important things to know about how people can participate and, and join in the movement in what Special Olympics is trying to accomplish? The best way is to reach out to us at SOTX.org and let us know what you want to do. We are so flexible. We make sure that we give people a chance to do whatever they want to do. So reach out to us. We'll get you involved either um, virtually volunteering until we can all be together again in person. Or if you want to participate in our breakfast, please reach out to us so that we can let you know how to do that. 
Christy, thank you so much for taking the time. We really, really appreciate you uh, waking up with us here this morning and, and sharing a little bit about what you do and, and what Special Olympics does and how we can all be a part of it. Well, thank you for having me. It was always a pleasure to get to talk to you, Jared, and we just love being able to get the word out about what we do and how special our athletes really are. Uh, two great organizations with us this morning, Special Olympics, uh, Special Olympics Texas, SOTX.org, SOTX.org. Uh, go there to donate, to, to get the numbers, the, the phone numbers that are important. Uh, you know, if you want to volunteer, just learn more. And then with Ryan Birdman Parrot earlier, Sons of the Flag, it's simply sonsoftheflag.org. So two very, very easy websites to remember SOTX.org and sonsoftheflag.org. I want to thank uh, Ryan Parrott and want to thank Christy Crone for being with us this morning. And that's going to do it for us here today. I'm Jared Sandler of 105.3 The Fan. I want to thank you for joining us and waking up with us. And tune in next week as we continue to focus on organizations doing great things in the DFW communities right here on Better Living. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 